Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Guys, on the 4th of July, I hope you took time to celebrate the Patriots that wear red, white, and blue and are known for winning. Did not at all. Mm. That's Stompy Sam Lane. Hello, boys. I'm back. Played by Randy Quaid in this episode. That's Tom Terrific. That's right, sue me, Brady. Hey, guys. Happy 4th. Day in which celebrating a bunch of smugglers no wanting to pay taxes. Tea party, baby. Oh, wait. That means a whole different thing. <laughs> Never mind. I am John, crazily truthful, truthfully crazy, Hogue, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. And we brought in an awesome guest. The, the guest that I never knew I always had to get on this show. Tom Burrows. He's at FF underscore Tom B on Twitter. He's a writer for DynastyLeagueFootball.com, a writer for DFF Redraft, a contributor for FantasyEvaluator.com, and above all else, one of my absolute favorite follows, one of my absolute favorites to interact with, I, I'm just I, I'm only speaking for myself right here, right now for the moment because Tom and I have had a little bit of a budding bromance going uh, the last few weeks, and uh, so it was it was time to bring you on, Tom. It's so great to have you on, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy we can uh, finally consummate this thing. <laughs> Easy with that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So by the way, Tom is kind of one of those guys who just kind of came out of nowhere for me. And it, I mean, it happens all the time, but like just kind of out of nowhere comes this like masterpiece of an article that just kind of just kind of changes the way you think about everything. And for me, it was Tom talking about tight ends, talking about tight end premiums in particular. And the fact that, you know, we put a lot of, of stock into, you know, it we we tend to overvalue tight ends when there's a tight end premium of any kind. And uh, he wrote an amazing article about that. I don't know if that one's still out there. It, it must be somewhere floating around in the ether. But uh, if if there's a way to uh, to get some eyes on that, Tom, that'd be awesome if you could uh, uh, bump that up a little bit. 
um, so people can read that because it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. And it um, means a ton that you say that and kind of the effect that it would have on how you kind of view this. Um, so the the name of the article, the title of the article for, if you Google it, is The, the Fallacy of Tight End Premium. And uh, I wrote it while I was still with writing Dynasty content with uh, Dynasty Football Factory. And really just started kind of looking at what does it do for the position when you start upping the amount. And I mean, the most common tight end premium addition that we see is uh, one and a half points per reception versus one point for other positions. And through doing some analysis, it really, I, I looked at it a couple different ways. One being, does it boost the value of tight ends, a tier of tight ends within the tight end position itself? And then also, does it boost the value of tight ends compared to other positional groups for the use within a flex spot when you're making that decision. Uh, and so for the, the former piece, it really doesn't change the curve or the trajectory. I mean, those, those top tier guys, they're going to get a bump just because they're getting so many more receptions. But the inconsistency at the position uh, among receptions and that there just aren't that many tight ends who are just consistently getting catches and aren't relying on touchdowns, there just isn't enough change over the course. And if you think about half a point, you're looking at 60 catches for a few different tight ends, but there may only be a five or 10 reception difference between a few different guys. And based on that, it just, there's just not enough point difference. And then for the former, it really just shows that even with the premium, it doesn't move the needle for guys to find to make it in your flex spot over comparable wide receivers unless you have three four five flex spots which is getting more common in dynasty of course and and i told you this actually off air so to me this is this format that we've got tonight and we're going to get to it in just a second um this isn't exactly what i had in mind for you uh, it's just that uh that we wanted to to get introductions done and uh, and get you on here um, get get you uh, kind of in the in the fantasy and dynasty communities consciousness a little bit more. So, um, but we're gonna have to bring you back and uh, and kind of hack the position a little bit with you. Uh, but in the meantime, so since then, what's uh, what have you been working on? What's some what's some stuff that you've you know you put out recently that you're you know you're particularly uh, you know, proud of, or that you think is particularly relevant and, and do you have anything coming up anytime soon, um, that people need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so when I came on board with dynasty league football, I think one of the main things I was, um, interested in start looking at are some of the backfields and just some of the positional groups that have a lot of question marks. Um, I tend to try to view things and the reason why I got into writing for fantasy outside of just pure love for fantasy is wanting to look more at schemes and positional group usage and how that type of information uh, can be helpful for fantasy and how it typically can be a bit overlooked. Um, and so, I mean, looking at... Um, one of the things that's been most popular for the Rams has been how are they sustaining three wide receivers so consistently over the past two years? It's because they have wide receivers on the field 
three wide receivers on the field, 92% of snaps when they're all healthy. Uh, whereas most other teams may only have three wide receiver sets um, on the field 54% of times. But um, so, so I've done an article on that, but recently at DLF, um, I did an article that I think Joe Mixon is going to be a top five dynasty running back uh, and not just top five, but going to move into that elite category over the next year. And also started breaking down the um, the Denver backfield and how really trying to lay out a case where I think both Lindsey and Freeman can be really viable options with the new offensive coordinator coming in, who's from the Shanahan system, using those two running back sets uh, and and can provide enough volume to to sustain multiple players. And then coming up, um, kind of starting to switch my gears a little bit towards this season specifically um, and going to start kind of writing about some players who I think might overachieve expectations and underachieve. And, and we're actually going to be talking about some of those players today. Uh, you're natural with this beautiful segue because in, in I, to me, Mixon uh, that, you know, as a top five, I think that fits very nicely too with our topic and, you know, Freeman and Lindsay, both fantasy relevant in 2019. I think that that fits as well. So uh, we're going to get to that here in just a second. But so just uh, just to lay out the premise last week, we invented a new segment called Crazy Truth Time. This week, we're going to go into that fully. But before we jump into that. So Stompy, you've got some trades that you wanted to bring up. And uh, I think we should start there if you're if you're up for it. No, I'm not up for it. Yeah, I kind of figured. Okay. Um, so this is more me wanting to make a point. Um, oh, and imagine that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not. Never listen, with an axe to grind. I am never opinionated, so shut it. Um, <laughs> but this is more about, I and I've, I've been one to say, get as many 2021s as you can. Um, so so that's just a premise to these. So I was sent two trades um, just over D Twitter DMs um, asking me if I would do these. Um, and this guy has the player side. So he the first one was Lamar Jackson and Darius Geis for the 1.01 next season. And then the second one was Matt Stafford and Darius Geis for the 1.01. These are all obviously mm-hmm. being on – the Superflex Super Show. This is all obviously Superflex, and I want I want to make a point here. Well, there's actually two points. So first and foremost, you can't assume 1.01 ever. That's not a good thing ever because and and I think we've said this before on this podcast. You cannot say that this is going to be an early first because you have no idea how the season's going to play out. Especially you may... if you're going to give them a high end quarterback and a starting running back, right? Right, and and I think I've even said my piece about this, where I, I I have my own anecdotal evidence where I gave and I was a dumb dumb, mind you, and I let the so-called analysts tell me that oh Kamara is going to regress and you're you better get out now and, and sell high and whatever. So I sold Kamara for a 2019 first, a 2019 second, and <laughs> Josh Doxson. Uh, uh, I, I make mistakes too, guys. I am not, no, I'm above you. I'm not that far above you. 
all, I, all I'm all I'm leaving in there is the part about I make mistakes. <laughs> that is our newest uh, drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, edit edit the rest down for sure. All right, yep. fun. Um, but th- at the time, it was going to be a relatively early uh, first round pick. At the time. He ended up winning the championship. So it ended up being 1.12, 2.12, and Josh Doxson for Alvin Kamara. So you can never assume where these picks will land. You can make, you can try to figure out if they're going to be early picks by looking at rosters and kind of take that um, risk. And that's something I've done in the past. Um, and that's fine. But, uh, you can't assume that it's going to be a 1.01. Like John said, when you're giving up guys that could end up being fantastic fantasy football players. So that's the first point. The second point is I would say probably at least 15 to 20 quarterbacks currently are worth at least the 1.01 by themselves. Would you agree with that? I at minimum. Yeah. I mean, even more. Yeah. And that, and that might be, I, and, and I'm saying like, if you actually think about it and this isn't thinking about guys like Joe Flacco, Tom Brady, um, Drew Brees types where, you know, they're not going to be around for a couple of years, but at, at we'll say at minimum 15 to 20 quarterbacks are worth the 1.01 by themselves. Yeah. If, and it's, if we know for sure that it's 1.01, yeah, that, that somewhere in that neighborhood. Right. And, and we know guys like, and me personally, I think Lamar Jackson's worth a lot more than that. I sold him. I sold Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, 2021st for Lamar Jackson, but that's neither here nor there, but Lamar Jackson is going to be extremely valuable in fantasy football. Matt Stafford had a down year last season. I still, I expect him to see an uptick next season, but even if he were to only be like QB, let's say 15, he's still worth that 1.01 because you need to understand how valuable QBs are in Superflex. And giving up a known commodity for a an extremely unknown commodity in a 20 in a future draft pick is extremely ill-advised, especially when it's a QB in Superflex. And then finally, I mean, mm-hmm. and then you're adding Geis on top of that. So you're way you're not getting even close to enough for those those two players, whether it be Lamar Jackson or Matt Stafford. So just because guys like me are hyping the 2020 class does not mean that you need to go out of your way to try and get those picks. I would much rather have Lamar Jackson and guys. I would much rather have Stafford and guys. I would much rather have Lamar Jackson or Stafford than the 1.01 at this point in Superflex. So don't get ahead of yourselves when thinking about the future. No, I, I agree with you. I, I would also say that I don't think, and again, it's, it's, you're projecting the 1.01. Um, but really that's a 2020 first. I don't think guys for a 2020 first is, is off value. I think for me, that's, that's pretty close to value there, even in a super flex. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, to add guys to, to any of those pieces that's already worth more than that to me is, is insane. But these are the kind of offers I get for those 2021s. And I think this is what happens when everyone hypes up that class, the value and people's perceived value of those picks just goes through the roof. And now it's to the point where you're not going to acquire them unless you're going to overpay. And that's, it's a shame. Yeah, that one's just not even close. I mean, 
I think every one of the players you listed is worth multiple 2021sts. Let's get to the main topic of this episode. Again, crazy truth time. So really what this is kind of about to me anyways is uh, these are these are hot takes that you're kind of hot takes. They don't have to be scalding hot by any means. And we're definitely we're still pragmatic, even with our hot takes here on the Superflex Super Show. So, but these are going to be takes that not only that you believe and you can support, but the, that you're actually employing right now here in in startup season, you know, approaching redraft season. Uh, the, it, it's it's a time of year where we're doing a lot of drafts right now, and these are moves that we're actually making. These are these are thoughts that we're actually using as we as we build and improve our rosters, both in Dynasty and Redraft. So we're going to jump right into it. And I'm actually going to start just so I can kind of so I can kind of lay out the the format a little bit. Again, it's called Crazy Truth Time. And. Here's the thing, guys, the crazy truth is. The consensus has Josh Jacobs as a rookie running back one. Uh, And in a lot of cases, he's 1.01. You know, if you're not in a super flex league, he's 1.01. In most super flex leagues, he's going 102 after Kyler Murray. He's a top rookie non-quarterback. But I, I routinely have been taking David Montgomery over Josh Jacobs in startups. I, for me, I, first of all, I trust the, the offense a lot more with David Montgomery. I think in, and we talked a little bit about the Chicago bears off air, but you know, just the fact that now you've got Mitchell Trubisky running an offense that he's familiar with. He's been working in for, you know, for a a year now with Matt Nagy. And I, I, so I, I mean, I think this offense is going to perform at a, at a higher level, just kind of across the board. But now you you also bring in a guy. James has kind of talked about this one, I think. Um, James and and or Stompy. I don't I don't remember for sure which. So someone's going to be mad at me here. But David Montgomery kind of comps to Kareem Hunt, who was a guy who Matt Nagy, you know, hand shows in Kansas City, and we also saw how that worked out before he turned out to be an idiot. Now they in they actually moved up in the draft from their first pick. They moved up 15 spots to get this guy. They think that he is the perfect fit for that offense, and I'm I tend to believe them. Meanwhile, Josh Jacobs, you know, there's there's already an injury history. There's also the fact that this offense is going to be it's going to be a little bit more of a committee approach. I believe at the running back position, especially when you've got Jalen Richard coming out of the backfield. To me, the Bears can do different things with Tariq Cohen. I think they they can kind of move him around the formation. I think that you're going to see him on the field at the same time as David Montgomery. I don't believe that's going to be the case for the Raiders. I think it's going to be Jalen Richard is kind of your third down guy. DeAndre Washington is still there. I I, I think that it's going to be a little bit limited on what J- Josh Jacobs is going to be able to do, and that's even when he's healthy. Does anyone have an issue with that? How is that? I'm going to let James take it away on the David Montgomery comparison. So that was James. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, David Montgomery profiles very similarly to Kareem Hunt. And so you can you can see some of the similarities there. I think they're a different player, though. Um, I'll, I'll go on to state that when you watch them on film, I feel like they run a very different style. Uh, Kareem Hunt always finished falling forward. David Hunt dances in a hole. He wants to hit that big play. And I don't, that's not what Kareem Hunt's really showed that he was good at when he uh, coming out of Toledo. So uh, to me, they're different players. However, they project similarly physically and, um, and their traits kind of project similarly um, in their testing numbers. So, yeah, uh, th there is, there's definitely some similarities. And I think that that's the role that they have uh, Montgomery pigeonholed for. Um, I, I still don't know. I mean, I, I look, the Raiders, I've been really hard on the Raiders ever since they hired John Gruden, um, even before last season started. Um, but they really added a lot of talent to that offense. I expect Derek Carr to take a step forward. I think the offense is going to be better. Um, so I think Josh Jacobs will be better. But I think you can almost flip a coin between these two uh, year one on who you want and who you think will outperform the other. Um, I like David Montgomery's situation better. I think you kind of stated that, John, and I, I kind of agree with that, that it looks like his role and his situation should be better in a better offense. Uh, but that division, I think, is, is awful tough, too. Um, so I, 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 you know, not that the, the AFC West isn't because, you know, you have to play Denver twice and that's a good defense. Chargers defense is getting better. Um, so, uh, you know, and the chiefs defense can't be much worse than they were last year. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I definitely can see the argument being made there for one or the other. Um, I think it really, it's a coin flip in my opinion. What do you think, Stompy? I think the comparison to Kareem Hunt starts and stops with contact balance and um i guess shiftiness we'll call it other than that like you said their running styles are very different i think kareem hunt has a lot better vision than um david montgomery uh i think kareem hunt has a lot better burst than david montgomery despite the video that's been going around about every oh he doesn't he's supposed to not have burst you're taking miles sanders over this guy and i'm like what okay we all okay i shouldn't say we all but most nfl players are going to look good doing drills like that uh, except for dk metcalf because he can't make a sharp turn to save his life anyway um so i i don't know if i agree with necessarily the profile of david montgomery fits cream hunt um and i think a lot of people uh, we'll agree with that. I know Nick Whalen for sure says that David Montgomery is not Kareem Hunt. Um, and I, I think you highlighted a few points too there, James. Uh, so that's my issue with it. The other issue is that the talent around David Montgomery, I feel is a lot better than the talent around uh, Josh Jacobs in terms of sharing the backfield. I mean, we're talking about Mike Davis who took over a starting role last season when both Rashad Penny and, or maybe Rashad Penny wasn't down, but when Chris Carson went down, um, he showed that he can be a starter in this league. Um, then you have Tariq Cohen, who was a top 10, was he, or was he RB 11 last season? Anyway, he was an RB one last season, um, showed exactly why he is a weapon in that offense. And that's going to take a lot of passing work, down work away from David Montgomery. Meanwhile, Josh Jacobs has shown that he, well, and this is me as a guy that does not, did not like Josh Jacobs coming out just specifically because I haven't seen it. I mean, we haven't seen anything except for like in small sample sizes, 
But for me, it's opportunity. And I don't think guys like DeAndre Washington, I, I do like Jalen Richard, but I think that uh, Josh Jacobs has shown and to be one of, if not the best pass catching wide or running backs in this class. And he will be used as such. So I think the opportunity for Josh Jacobs specifically in 2019 is a lot better than we will see from David Montgomery into the future. That's a, that's a question, but you still don't have anybody in that Raiders backfield that I'm scared of. I like Chris Warren a lot, but I don't think he can do what, Josh Jacobs does. Doug Martin's there for what one season. Jalen Richard's going to be a satellite back, and that's it. Um, DeAndre Washington has shown flashes, but obviously they don't believe in him because they picked Josh Jacobs. David Montgomery, on the other hand, probably still dealing with Tariq Cohen at least this season and next season. I think Mike Davis signed as a two-year contract, but I think it's only like I, I think there's probably an out after one year. I'd have to look it up. So even still, I would I like Josh Jacobs over the next two years over David Montgomery. You're you're that much more comfortable with Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I am. Okay. What about you, Tom? Is there a is there still a big difference for you between Jacobs and, and David Montgomery? Or is it close for you? Um, I think for a lot of reasons that have been said, I probably we still have Jacobs kind of slightly above in a tier above Montgomery. But I mean, I, I definitely can see the path and the argument for Montgomery surpassing him at least in year one. You know, I think I actually just kind of wrote an article detailing him in, at fantasyevaluator.com as somebody who could potentially win leagues at his current ADP and redraft. Uh, because I, I do think there is a big case that the volume could be substantial um and you know that offense wants to be based around the run um 250 carries just left with jordan howard uh they did bring in mike davis who is a talented guy but he hasn't really i mean he's stepped in and shown that he can serve that role but in his i believe four seasons in the league he's never had over 130 ish carries in a season so we don't know what kind of workload he can he can take one of the things about Chicago is um, they are one of the top teams in the league that actually, I mean, they're similar to the Saints uh, in, in usage of two running back sets. So when Cohen is on the field, they may also have Montgomery on the field and Cohen can move out into the slot, whereas Montgomery can still be working in play action and, and being used in a role out of the back, out of the backfield. I think one big case for Montgomery over Jacobs this year and maybe the next two years is touchdowns. I mean, if he is used enough, he gets enough targets out of the backfield that he can boost up that value. I mean, I think Howard had 22 to 24 targets last year, uh, or maybe it was more and he had 20 receptions or something. I apologize. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, if he can get 60 targets, 65 targets and get 40 catches, and then he can surpass double-digit touchdowns with 220 to 230 carries, I think that that could easily put over Jacobs, who is on a team that I just don't think they're going to be in the red zone that much. I don't think they're going to be particularly efficient, and I still think they're probably going to be the worst, one of the worst teams in the league from a scoring perspective. Nice. That one was, that one was close enough. I'll take that. So let's, uh, let's get one from you, Tom. 
So one of the things that I tend to like look at, especially this time of year is, um, and I promise I'll get to the crazy truth part, but I, I kind of start to kind of look at what was happening near the end of last season. Um, and I like to look at wide receivers who really started taking off um, and running backs also who start taking off and the running backs who start taking off. I tend to fade a little bit the following season. Uh, whereas the wide receivers, I think, uh, really kind of start to pique my curiosity. And one of them is, so right now the crazy truth is that uh, Robbie Anderson is currently a fringe wide receiver three and dynasty is wide receiver 36. And in actuality, I, I think he's a top 24 wide receiver. And my case for this is, I mean, one of the things that we've seen as the strongest arguments for uh, a player's role in an offense, receiver's role in an offense is uh, air yards. Uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, um, forgetting his handle, but Frisco Josh uh, at airyards.com has really kind of taken on this um, showing how effective when we can calculate and know how many air yards, which is uh, if you combine completions or all attempts for the air yards that are coming to a player that makes up an air yards, that is very predictive of fantasy success of future yards. Uh, and Robbie Anderson last year um, was 14th in air yards. And so, and over the last four games, he was within the top three to four. Um, and I think that that additional market share that he took on in the last stretch, because once, so Darnold was injured in the midseason and then he came back. And over that stretch, um, Anderson was having eight and a half targets a game, five and a half catches or average, uh, with a 32% target share on the team, which put him in the top seven among all receivers. And a 41% air market share on the team, which is third among all receivers. And he was on pace over that stretch for 92 catches for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. So obviously, I'm not expecting that he's going to get that because that would put him at wide receiver, wide receiver three. But I do think it speaks to a connection that he had with Darnold as Darnold started getting more comfortable in, in the offense. And I also think it speaks to the role that he can play in an offense. Now, the coach is gone and they brought in Adam Gase, uh, which brings up a lot of question marks for many different things. Um, but I, I think looking back historically at Adam Gase, the best comp that I can find and think of is Kenny Stills in 2017 in Miami, which on 105 targets, he had 58 catches for 847 yards and six touchdowns. But he had pretty much the exact same number of air yards that Anderson had last year. And then looking at the offseason moves, so they brought in Jamison Crowder. And so now we have Crowder, Anunia, and Anderson. And Anunia and Crowder just aren't going to play the role that Anderson can play stretching the field deep. And that just makes me think they are comfortable with him playing in that role. And from a dynasty perspective, other factors, I mean, he's 26, which I think, you know, I'm okay with as, as an age, you know, just starting to enter that prime. Uh, a big concern is his contract. I mean, it's unrestricted free agent next year, so he could go elsewhere. But looking at guys like Tyrell Williams and the contract he got, if he's able to excel this season and really show himself as that deep uh 
a deep threat, I think that he can get a big contract either with the Jets or somewhere else and really be a staple in fancy lineups. Man, that Jets offense could be really sneaky, by the way. Uh, but I have a feeling that James has the biggest problem with this. So let's hear it, James. No, I actually don't. Um, Robbie Anderson is a guy I like a lot. I've just had a hard time placing him because of some of the off-field issues. Um, everything that you've you've uh, stated, uh, Tom, is, is all on-field stuff. And I, I really like him when he's on the field. I'm just worried... I have to bake into his in, in my rankings the the worry I have with him getting kind of in trouble off the field, especially because I mean let's let's face it he skated by last time without facing a suspension, um, you know after he kind of had some words for a police officer and it was written in the police report what he said he didn't get suspended for that I think if there is anything off the field that happens with Robbie Anderson, he's probably facing more than four games um, just because he skated by with that one. So I, I'm just concerned because of some of the off the field stuff that we've heard with him. Um, and so that, that scares me a little bit. And, you know, we're seeing more and more that, you know, Goodell is not scared to s suspend a player, even if they're not found guilty of any wrongdoing. Um, you know, they, they have, they launch their own investigations and basically, you know, make their own determining determinations and we never really find out why. Um, so that, that, that worries me that, that concerns me with Robbie Anderson, all the on the field stuff. I absolutely love him as a player. I think he is, he's clearly the wide receiver one there. And I love the fact that Le'Veon Bell is coming in to kind of take away some of that pressure that he had um, last year. They didn't really have a very good rushing attack. Um, at least they didn't have a bell cow running back like Le'Veon Bell, a talent like that. I really like Le'Veon Bell taking a year off and being a, uh, being fresh and coming into New York to take that role on. And I think that's only going to help Robbie Anderson, especially down the field. So, uh, no, I, I like Robbie Anderson as a player. Um, I'm a little worried about the off the field stuff, but as far as on the field, I, I, I think uh, Tom highlighted everything very well and uh, makes me want to move him up my rankings a little bit, to be honest. All right. What about you stomp? Any problem with it? Not at all. I, I can completely get behind this, uh, 2017. He had, he was the wide receiver 18, um, so, I mean, we've seen him actually be a top 24 wide receiver. And I believe that was with, was that with Ryan Fitzpatrick? No, that was Josh McCown. Sorry. That was yeah, with Josh McCown. McCown. Um, so, I mean, let's be real. Jim McCown is kind of a, uh, average quarterback if, if not below average. So him being able to do that with an average quarterback tells me that he's capable of doing it. And then not to mention, and like, like Tom brought up, he started to show a lot of uh, chemistry with Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold got back uh, from his injury. And so from weeks 14 through 17, Robbie Anderson was a wide receiver six. And again, I don't think you can expect that, but I mean, it's a far cry from, I, I mean, it, him being able to do, let's say wide receiver 18 numbers again is not that hard to comprehend when you look at the end of hit last season plus the, his ability or plus the fact that he has shown that he has done it before so and and like tom brought up again he's he's unique in this offense no there's no other receiver really on this offense that you can think of um that will match what robbie anderson can do he's a deep ball guy sam darnold has the arm strength to get it to him so i like robbie anderson as a late round value to finish as a wide receiver to this season, possibly. 
All right, let's move on to uh, to yours, James, and let's get yeah, let's get your first one. All right, John, I don't know if you're ready for this one, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead that's, and drop it anyways. That's kind of why I was stumbling over my words. I saw what's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get but, ready because you yeah. and I are gonna get into it here. Yes, we are. But that's you cool. know what? It's it's a crazy truth. The crazy truth, John, is Aaron Rodgers is not a top five fantasy quarterback anymore, and he might never be again. So here's here's why. Here's why this is a crazy truth. Now, Aaron Rodgers obviously has been a poster boy for consistency for a while until the last two seasons. So you kind of got to look at that and go, okay, well, what happened the last two seasons? Well, two years ago, he got hurt, right? And so he, he only played seven games. All right, well, you know, that hasn't been an, uh, a concern over the course of his career. You know, he hasn't missed a ton of games to injury. So, you know, you, you kind of shrug that one off. So then we look at last year. Well, last year he played 16 games. He threw 25 touchdown passes. That is the lowest he's ever thrown in a season he's played all 16 games in. So that's a concern for me right there. Um, his fantasy points per game were lower than any season that he played 16 games in. So that's another concern for me. Um, his rushing yards were down from a few years ago. His rushing touchdowns were cut in half from his 2016 season. He is entering his 15th year. He's 35 years old and he'll be 36 going into the season. He also now has a new coaching staff. And look, this, this is really what concerns me. He, he ran out his previous coach, right? I mean, I, I don't think that that's, I think that's pretty common knowledge that, um, you know, that he and McCarthy didn't see eye to eye. And if he wanted McCarthy back, he would have been back, but he, he, he didn't obviously. Okay. So now we have a new coach in Matt LaFleur and LaFleur basically has, has kind of laid out his system and he said, Hey, look, this is what we do. We call two plays in the huddle and all our quarterback has to do is read, read one, you know, make a couple reads and he'll know which play to call. Well, Aaron Rodgers has already come out and basically stated that, hey, look, I have 15 years of experience. You don't want me to turn that off. I should, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna make calls at the line. That worries me. That concerns me because that's the same thing he was doing with McCarthy. McCarthy would call plays and he wouldn't run them. They would call another play at the line. And so I think we're just in for more of the same. Aaron Rodgers is gonna run this offense. It's gonna look the way Aaron Rodgers wants it to. And honestly, that hasn't worked the last couple of seasons. We haven't seen him be a top five fantasy asset in three years. So I'm, I'm concerned. I don't think the supporting cast is very good. I'm not buying MVS. I'm not buying Geronimo Allison. I'm not buying any of these receivers that are entering their second year because I don't think they showed much. I think Aaron Rodgers made them what decent receivers. I like Devontae Adams, obviously, but I don't know. Jay Sternberger is probably going to take a couple of years to develop. Jimmy Graham isn't what he used to be. I'm worried about the surrounding, the supporting cast. I'm worried about that division. The Bears' defense is better, uh, or is very good. The Vikings' defense is very good, and the Lions' defense is pretty good against the pass and getting better. I I'm worried, and I still don't know if that Packers' offensive line is going to be good enough to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Guys, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a top-five quarterback this year, and I don't think he's going to be again. So tell me how crazy I am. So crazy, because he was the number six quarterback in 2018 on an MCL that that was injured in the first half of the entire season. The first half of, of the first game of the season. He played on that the entire season, and he still had his second best season as far as 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 far as passing yards. I mean, the only thing we're really in, and he, I mean, he had the lowest completion percentage, well, second lowest completion percentage of his career as a starter. But I mean, he, 
the the only thing that was really missing was the touchdowns. And I mean, and I think that the, that had a lot to do with Mike McCarthy. I'm I am not worried about. I mean, now, if, now, if, can, if can I ask a question? I'm I'm just curious because I I, mm-hmm. I just just how long has Aaron Rodgers played with Mike McCarthy? Uh, that I don't know. Um, I mean, a lot of his career. Yeah, a majority of his career. So, I mean, why did it hurt him this last season, but not any of the other seasons? Do you think? Do you think it had anything to do with the fact that the last two seasons Jordy Nelson hasn't been there? Uh, maybe. I. I mean, that's. It's certainly possible, but I. I. I don't know what the difference is. What I do know is, you bring in Matt Lafleur as the new head coach. The, the smart thing for Matt LaFleur to do here is to let Aaron Rodgers run this offense the way he's comfortable with. That's the way you, you know, that that's the way you work your way in. And, it, you know, that's the way you, uh, you start seeing immediate returns. I don't, I don't believe that Matt LaFleur is going to make a huge difference in, in the way they run this offense. I think he's going to let Aaron Rodgers do what he does. And what and what Aaron Rodgers has done, by the way, is he's been, you know, a top five quarterback. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six times, seven times. Mm-hmm. 50% of the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The other 50% he was mostly injured. Uh, he actually has dealt with injuries quite a bit, by the way, in his career. He's 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 got now three seasons of missing significant time. And well, real quick, John, I'm looking at this. 2017, obviously, he only played seven games. 2013, he played nine. But 2005, 2006, 2007 weren't those years that he was behind. He he was he was playing behind Favre, wasn't he? Yes. So yeah. I mean, th- so he only really missed significant time in two seasons. So injuries yeah. are, haven't been a concern, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. But he was he was injured in 2018. Is is part of part of the? I mean, that's that's part of the equation here. That's part of the puzzle here, is the fact that he was playing on one bad knee the entire season. You know what and, I think is interesting, John? You and I, real quick, I'm sorry. You and I, uh-huh. though, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum, I think, when it comes to quarterbacks and injuries. Yeah. Because I don't want to give them any leeway. And that's, that's, I'm sure that that's wrong. And I think sometimes you give them too much leeway with like Marcus Mariota and like you, t- you take that stuff into consideration. <laughs> this is not about than I do. So, so I'm just saying that I think the, yeah. the QB injury thing, I think we're on different ends of the spectrum. So I think that's why we see some of these quarterbacks in different lights. Okay, but I'm just looking at numbers here, and I, and again, I, I, I think that it's relevant that he had the the MCL sprain that he dealt with for the entire season. He still, like I said, I mean, he still had the second best season of his entire career when, as far as passing yards. Like I said, the only thing that was missing is touchdowns. I cannot imagine that 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 there isn't some positive regression coming in the touchdown department. All right, Stompy Tom, what do you guys think? How crazy am I? Honestly, I don't – I'm kind of iffy on this one. Like, I'm halfway between. Like, if you really look – if you really dive into Aaron Rodgers' numbers last season, like, he had a 25 touchdown to two interception ratio. That's nuts. Like, that's 
he he was Aaron Rodgers last season. He just didn't have the touchdowns. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with McCarthy. I don't know if that has to do with the MCL. But to me, it, it seemed like a reg- a touchdown regression or or an anomaly. And you will see a a positive regression uh, to in touchdowns, which will help him obviously get back into that top five conversation. So I don't necessarily agree for 2019, but let's be realistic here. I mean, he is what, 35, 36. I think he's 35 still. He's 35. He'll turn 36 in December. Yeah. And I mean, the guy, despite what we're talking about with injuries, he has had some injuries. He's had uh, two clavicles, right? Uh, He had, the knee injury this last year and he's a he's a relatively I, I guess mobile quarterback and so there's definitely injury risk there and we've seen him have some injuries so while in 2019 I think he will probably be top five or he has a decent chance to be top five um, just because of what he showed us last season and if a lot of people are going to start pointing to that last season as him regressing you they really aren't looking at the statistics because like john said he had his what second highest passing yards ever he had a 25 to 2 touchdown interception ratio which just points to me that he didn't have anybody else but Devonte adams but and has that, that changed i think so i I'm, well and, and i think that's the other part is now now you have Geronimo Allison back in, and I would have to look at the the splits with and without Geronimo Allison. Um, but you have Geronimo Allison back. You have MBS and in, in, in MBS uh, Jamon Moore and Equinemia St. Brown in their second seasons. Um, you have uh, Jimmy Graham in his second season. You have a very underrated Jay Sternberger, who I think could be a major player this season that we're not talking about in terms of rookie tight ends. Um, so I think a lot of it had to do with like uh, the guys around him had no experience. And when you only have Devonte Adams and a guy who only, um, I mean, this was his first season in Jimmy Graham. It's, it's tough to say that, he had any pass catchers last season that were trustworthy, but, and and it's a valid point. Did that thing, did things change? I think it's just another year of experience with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know what the coaching change does for him because we, I thought we were getting Matt LaFleur, like the LA Rams, Matt LaFleur when he went to Tennessee, but that was not the case. Of course, I think that largely had to do with the personnel around him. Now, is that going to change this season? Is he going to be able to air it out more like the 2017 Rams? I don't know. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers still has a legitimate chance to be top five, uh, at least in 2019. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm on the same page. I think he certainly has a chance. And Stompy, I think you touch on the biggest issue for me, which is which Matt LaFleur offense are we getting? Uh, I mean, if he's bringing something similar to what he did in Tennessee, I think he's going to clash with Rodgers. I mean, if they're planning on passing 52, 54% and transitioning to much more of a run-heavy offense, I think that's probably going to cause problems. I think one of the biggest issues with McCarthy for me is 
from my understanding, McCarthy kind of had a one read passing offense where Rodgers goes back. If the first option isn't there, it's up to him to scramble and find something to make it work, which is something he does probably better than any other quarterback uh, out there. But I think just in the modern NFL, that ran stale. And so if LaFleur can bring in a creative modern offense that is predicated on play action and stretching the field horizontally, in addition to just going downfield, I think it can lead to two, three, four quick reads getting the ball out faster, not getting him crushed behind the line and protecting most important asset out there, and just let some players do some things after the catch. I mean, Aaron Jones is one of the most efficient running backs in the league. And hopefully, as you guys were saying, these receivers can continue to develop, become more comfortable in in the scheme that hopefully is a little bit easier uh, to, to kind of get a grasp on and, and he can be back there. And, and I think the regression of the touchdowns is, is definitely going to happen and it goes up. I think one argument for why he may not be a top five is the field of quarterbacks. Whereas I, I think he's probably not going to be rushing for as many yards as he has historically as he gets older. And this field of younger quarterbacks who are just using the cheat code of fantasy football of rushing could easily overtake him because how many more touchdowns does he need to throw to surpass a guy who's rushing for four or 500 yards more than he is? So just, just on that touchdown regression, um, his touchdown percentage in 2018 was 4.2. And each of his previous, whatever, 11 seasons that he was a starter, his touchdown percentage wasn't below 5.2. So it, I mean, it dropped a whole percentage point from his previous career low. So I think just looking at his career numbers, and it may be that he's kind of doing a Tom Brady where he, you're, you're seeing that slow decline. But I, I have to think that that touchdown percentage goes up to above five percent again, and that's where he's going to make up what he lost last season. I think it's interesting. You guys must think, at least Stompy and John, you guys must think that the Packers are going to be really, really good this year if you guys think Aaron Jones is going to be really good and Aaron Rodgers is also going to be really good. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yes. Yes, I think that's Well, so a- really, really good on the offensive side of the ball. I, and I think, actually, they've done a lot enough on defense. So, yes, I do. They, I think they will vie for the NFC North Interesting. Interesting. I think they're a third place team in that division. And I think that's probably part of the reason why we, we see things a little differently on those fronts. So. Yeah. I I mean, you can certainly make the argument that it's one or the other. It's either Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers. but I mean, to me, it it all, it all runs through Aaron Rodgers, And like Stompy said, I mean, a whole percentage point, basically if he regresses back to his, his career average, uh, for touchdown percentage. So I mean, then he, he would have to over, regress back to his career average in yardage too, right? Because, I mean, he obviously, I mean, that was the second most yards he had thrown in his career. So, I mean, we got we to gotta yeah. put everything back to their average. The attempts right? are probably going to go fine. down. I mean, they led the mm-hmm. league in passing percentage as a ratio. And, and so the overall, the attempts most likely are going to have to go down. Yeah. 
it which is fine you know that still puts him over 40 touchdown passes well i <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> but it's definitely not his average but, but i mean I, I and i would have to actually do it but i think his average attempts is around 550 which i mean is really up there in terms of the nfl uh his average uh yardage is around probably 270 which really wasn't well, maybe it's 260, but regardless, it's not like that gigantic of a drop. I mean, you're talking about in in full seasons, he's only had one season below 4,000 yards in full seasons. Um, so uh, his in a full season, he, I mean, I this is going just off of eyeballing it, probably 4,300 yards, which is only a, a 100 yards less than what, 140 yards less than what he threw last season. So he's been super consistent is the big thing. But like I said, I mean, with his age, he could be just going through a slow, like a slow Tom Brady decline instead of a Peyton Manning cliff. I think one of the other things that is important to note is that I, I feel like the rest of that division defensively is, is much better. Um, Khalil Mack twice a year and the Bears defense is difficult. I don't think the Bears have ever had a defense this good in the Aaron Rodgers era. I think the Vikings defense is very good at times. I think they get a good pass rush, especially with Daniel Hunter. So, I mean, there, there's if that offensive line doesn't improve, I think it's still going to be tough for Rodgers to to continue to put up these numbers and to stay healthy for a full season, you know, when he's entering his, his 36 year, year age, um, season. So, so I actually liked, and, and we can move on after this, but I actually liked Tom's, uh, point about the, the current land, QB landscape. I mean, if we really look at the QB landscape this last season, they, I mean, there are, a ton of running quarterbacks. You have Josh Allen, you have uh, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton. I mean, you throw Mitchell Trubisky in there. You have Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, though he's more of a run because he has to. There are a bunch of guys that you can feasibly see going in the top five. I mean, like I like Dak Prescott to, well, I, I, I think he has a, a feasible chance to break that top five. And then you have guys like Mahomes and Wentz and some other guys that like have shown to put up elite seasons and, and I Kyler think, Murray coming in. Right. And then you have Kyler Murray and then um, next year you have uh, Tua and then the following year you have Trevor Lawrence. It's just the guys coming in, like the amount of quarterback talent that exists in this day and age is probably the reason that uh, that Aaron Rodgers would drop out of the top five. And I, I like to use that example last season like you have guys who were finishing outside of qb1 territory that just two years prior would have finished as like a top five quarterback i mean there were phenomenal seasons last season that did not get recognized because of the level of talent at, in the qb um, position right now man i've been sitting here trying to do all kinds of math um I, if i have more time to prep james you would have I did that I on purpose. Just unloaded all of this on you. <laughs> um, anyways, it's not working, and uh, we need to move on. So let's get one from you, Stomp. All right. So my, <laughs> this is one I've been kind of harping on uh, this offseason, and a lot of people aren't going to like it, but Adam Thielen may never be a wide receiver one again. Uh, and a lot of people will, will be like, well, you're just going to point to the second half of last season. Yes, 
you're right. I am. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, so <laughs> very defiant. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, and I think it defines what this offense is going to be going into the future because of what they did in this offseason. But let's look at let's look at Adam Adam Thielen last season. So Adam Thielen had eight straight 100 yard games. He had uh, seven of those eight games. He had I think twenty over twenty four PPR points. Um, and in let's sorry I had this up in. Um, all of those games he had, or in seven of those eight games, he had uh, 10 or more uh, targets. In the second half of the season, from weeks nine through 17, so in the first half, I believe he was wide receiver one. So weeks one through eight, he was wide receiver one. In weeks nine through 17, he was the wide receiver 26. He had only one game above 20 PPR points. The rest were 15 or below, including two single digits single-digit PPR weeks. Uh, and as far as targets, you see a continuing downward trend over the season. So from weeks uh, eight, like I said, weeks one through eight, you, he saw double-digit targets uh, seven out of eight weeks. And weeks nine through 17, he saw double-digit targets twice. Uh, and every obviously everything else was single digits. And if you actually look at the rolling average, it drops over time. And this also corresponds with Dalvin Cook getting healthy and then rushing more. Um, and that offense just kind of shifting over to a much more balanced offense. And then you take into account guys, the hirings of guys like Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski, who uh, he was the interim uh, offensive coordinator last season after Joe DiFilippo, or was it John DiFilippo? Sorry, John DiFilippo was fired. And that's when you saw Adam Thielen's decline. So you get guys like Gary Kubiak who runs a much more balanced offense. And I believe he brought in um, who's the, who's his offensive coordinator, John in Denver. Sorry. I was still doing math. What was the question? Who is uh Denver's offensive coordinator under Gary Kubiak? Oh, Rick Dennison. Yeah. And so they brought in Rick Dennison as well. I believe to be the offensive line coach, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So you're mm-hmm. talking about a team that runs a much more or a, a <laughs> offensive uh, staff that runs mo- a much more balanced offense. So that's going to start taking targets away. And that's what Adam Thielen needs is he needs a ton of targets. But um, and, and then you also have to take into account uh, Dalvin Cook is over a year removed from his ACL. Uh, Stefan Diggs seems to be con- or is starting to become that the wide receiver one that they want. Uh, and I think it all just equates to Adam Thielen will continue to be a productive wide receiver, but right now I believe on DLF ADP is being taken as the wide receiver 12. And I think that he's going to disappoint because I don't think he's going to finish as the wide, a wide receiver one ever again. That one hurts, but uh, man, I, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, the splits last year, first half, second half, and you know, once Kevin Stefanski took over, once you got you know, uh, Stefan Diggs fully healthy. Once you got Dalvin Cook fully healthy, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's night and day. So I don't know. What do you think, Tom? Uh, this one's deeply painful. Yeah. Um, so I think that I guess for the most part, I disagree. I think that he can be a top 12. I think his ADP is potentially a little rich. So I'm not going to disagree with that. 
But I think that overall, both halves of his season last year were unrealistic for actual outcomes. The first half was just unsustainable. You know, nobody, I mean, he, he averaged over 100 yards through um, the first 10 games of the season. And then that dropped off precipitously. And I think the argument for why I think I could see him being top 12 is I'm not as convinced that this offense is going to completely shift to a run forward offense. You know, I think Kirk Cousins is a incredibly underrated quarterback. I mean, I know you guys talked about that last week a bit, John. Um, and I think that his attempts are going to be much more than what was indicated by that last section uh, of the season last year. And one of the most important things for me is I just had to look up who on the depth chart is behind Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs other than Laquan Treadwell, because I could not think of another wide receiver on that team. And I still don't know really anything about these other guys. And so when we're just looking at targets, I mean, Dalvin Cook will be involved. Rudolph will be involved. Irv Smith probably is going to get integrated relatively slowly. I just think there's going to be such a heavy concentration of target share at these two top receivers that he can still be a viable option, especially in PPR formats where he may be getting just a consistent workload week to week where he's not going to blow you away with the huge weeks like he had last year. And so some people are going to be disappointed, but at the end of the year, I could still see him being in that nine to 12 range. Yeah, Tom, I think that's you brought up some really good points. And I really like the fact um, that you brought up the target share and you know, who he's competing with to get some of those targets. I think Delvin Cook staying healthy would would uh, would cut into his targets a little bit. I think Delvin Cook's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. We've seen that. Uh, so if he can stay healthy for a full 16 slate of games, I think that might hurt Adam Thielen a little bit more than anything else. Um, but I think you're right. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult for this team to spread the ball around when, you know, at the wide receiver position, even Laquan Treadwell as your wide receiver three is uh, doesn't install a lot of confidence, I don't think, in – in anyone and probably cousins the least. So uh, I, I definitely think that the, the target share makes him intriguing, but I, I, I agree with Stompy though. I mean, there's definitely some signs of, of regression and that that's scary. When you look at the second half of last season, I'm sure the targets were still there. Um, he just, he just didn't perform well. Um, Diggs was the guy who, who definitely outperformed Adam Thielen. And I think, Minnesota looks at Diggs as the number one wide receiver. So um, Adam Thielen being a top 12 wide receiver, I think would take a Diggs injury. Um, but I could I could definitely see him being a high-end wide receiver too still. So I, I think we're we're kind of I'm kind of splitting hairs here as far as whether he's wide receiver 12 or wide receiver 15. Um, but I, I I think that it would take a Diggs injury or it would take an injury to another key player for Adam Thielen to continue to be a top 12. Uh, fantasy asset like it was a couple years ago well and, and the other aspect and, and it's a valid point i mean you always want to get uh highly concentrated offenses and and i can't think of one that is as concentrated in terms of targets as the minnesota vikings maybe so the saints i don't know and and that yeah, that might be yeah i mean because you really have too viable right now and, and maybe jared cook i it depends but the bucks may be that this year um but i mean point still stands is that yeah i it's it's going to be tough for um 
feeling not to get targets. But, I mean, let's look at some of the players that are just outside the wide receiver one territory. I mean, I believe Diggs finished as a – was he the RB or the wide receiver 12? Uh, no, Keenan Allen was. But you have guys like T.Y. Hilton who – who was injured last season uh, for a few games. You have Tyler Boyd, who was injured last season for a few games. OBJ was um, only played 12 games and was the uh, our, our wide receiver 17. Amari Cooper, who I think has, and I believe it's on our list here, Tom, or no, who was it? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, that could end up being a wide receiver one this season. I really like, I like Kenny Galladay this year as well. Um, so, and then there's other guys just on the fringe, like could Chris Godwin become a wide receiver one? Uh, so there's just, there's guys behind him that I think can replace him. Um, so, and that's the other aspect of this. So that's why I'm not as confident in Adam Thielen, especially at his ADP, because I think that at the very most you're, you're drafting him at his highest value. So let's get your second one, Tom. So my second one is that the crazy truth is that Mitch Trubisky is actually a top 10 quarterback in Dynasty. So right now he is at 15, and I'm just looking at some of the players ahead of him. And, uh, and I mean, I'm seeing – so I think certainly guys like Cousins, Winston, Newton, Ryan are the guys right ahead of him. They certainly all have cases, but I mean, Kyler Murray's at eight, Jared Goff's at nine, Dak Prescott's at 10. I think that after this season, we could certainly see Trubisky jump up into that, that tier and that, and that into the top 10. And I mean, I think for quarterback, I really just want to think about, all right, well, first we need to see, is there going to be longevity? You know, is he going to be consistent in that role? And I think if he does continue to take a step forward and he does what he needs to do in that offense, then he certainly has, he's, he's going to be a lock for getting that next contract. And then that really locks him in for a solid period of time. And in thinking about why I think that that's mostly going to happen other than just getting quarterbacks is incredibly hard in the NFL. I kind of wanted to think about, all right, is the is he doing what the coach wants him to do, and is it are is the team happy with him? And a couple of the kind of areas that I looked at to kind of examine that were what is he doing on third downs, and how is he doing in the red zone? And I thought it was actually pretty interesting that on third downs he was. There's a stat by Warren Sharp looks at and um, where it's like. Um, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it is how far the pass travels on a third down or on any down to the sticks. So are people throwing underneath the first down marker or are they actually surpassing it? And he's actually third in the league at getting it to the sticks and getting first downs. And in the red zone, he's one of he's above average in passer rating in just about every different area of the field. Um in passer rating in the red zone. And so he's getting it done there too. From a fantasy perspective, we've, we've mentioned him a few times when it comes to his rushing ability. I think he is an incredibly underrated rusher uh, and, and he's built to hold up. 
you know, he's not like, and I know I'm treading on dangerous territory here. He's not like Lamar Jackson and a little bit, not quite, um, a little bit skinnier. I mean, he, I think, so I think he can hold up in that area, which brings additional points, additional touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if he had four or five rushing touchdowns this season. And I also think I just really like the weapons and the team that they've built around him. They have a really good, innovative offensive coach. You've got Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel to stretch the field. Anthony Miller will hopefully take another step. Bringing in guys, I mean, he may not make the team, but I really like Emmanuel Hall as a player and thought that that was a steal as an undrafted free agent. Burton hopefully will be more integrated. And then having Cohen and Montgomery in the backfield. You know, I just think there are a lot of weapons, and he's the common den- denominator of – the uh, of all of those different pieces i actually like this one a lot uh trubisky is an underrated runner uh he's in a matt Nagy offense that or in his second year in the matt Nagy offense and a second year with guys like Allen robinson another uh year with a healthy anthony miller i i, I just i think that trubisky can definitely take that next step and he's not going to be the elite passer um, that a lot of people expect from quarterbacks, but he's got enough in terms of running the ball that he definitely has that top 10 upside. All right, James, let's get one from you. Yeah. So I'm, I, I tell you guys what, I'm, I'm going to mix it up a little bit because I had, I had two, but I'm going to go and say that Noah Fant is going to be a league winner for teams this season. Look, Noah Fant ended up in a fantastic position in Denver. I think that's a great spot for him to land to have immediate success. There's really nobody there that he has to beat out, so I think early playing time is almost a given at this point uh, for Noah Fant. We've seen elite athleticism. We've seen Joe Flacco use the tight end, and I think that he can be a security blanket for a a quarterback in a new offense. Quarterback who hasn't really switched a lot of offenses is now going to be playing in a new place in the thin air, and uh, he's going to, he's, you know, there's a lot to adjust to that he hasn't had to adjust to since coming out of Delaware and uh, going to Baltimore. So there's a lot of adjustment that needs to take place, and I think Noah, Noah Fant's going to be that security blanket for him. Noah Fant's really, really athletic. He can stretch the seam too. So when they do want to throw it deep, they can use play action and they can use him um, in that, in that role. I think the running backs are going to be used significantly in that role as well. But I also think that there's going to be a role carved out for Noah Fant. I think this year, Noah Fant is going to get better each game and come the end of the season. Noah Fant is going to win people championships. If you have him rostered, you can have him rostered as a, a second tight end. You can have him on your bench and come the playoffs is really when I think he's going to shine. I think he'll pick up the position quicker than most because he's going to have more opportunity than most. I think he's in an excellent situation, and I could see Denver really utilizing him and seeing what they have later in the season with him. So I think this is a guy that is going to win teams' fantasy championships. Guys, am I am I totally crazy? I think this was just a makeup for John to John. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we're we're good again. You know how I feel about this. I mean, I've I've written about Noah Fan. I don't like to write all that much, but I actually wrote a freaking article about this. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I want to hear I want to hear from Tom on this one, our tight end guru. 
Yeah, I think you're being too kind to call me a tight end guru, but um, yeah, I'm on board. You know, I, I like him a lot. I think that the best comp for what we could see is is kind of the Evan Ingram, what we saw a couple of years ago, and just kind of being able to step in. He has those polished receiving skills and can be a really focal point of this offense when there are a lot of question marks at the other skill position places. I, and I think just one more point on that. We were talking about SFB8 or SFB9 scoring. and how uh, exceptional those top three tight ends can be, but then it, I would not, I mean, I wouldn't be reaching for guys like OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, because I would be waiting for guys like Vance McDonald or even Noah Fant, who's going really late and like best ball drafts, because like we talked about and like John's talked about and uh, like James just talked about Noah Fant could end up being the pass catcher one in that offense. Um, because there's nobody there that's like above and beyond anybody else. So no fan could end up being that number one pass catcher for Joe Flacco. Yeah, absolutely. Man, everything lines up here. So yeah, this is this is perfect for me because this is one that I personally have been employing. I'm and I'm guessing that James has as well. So um this is I, I'm legitimately waiting on tight end and taking Noah Fant just because. I think he's got as good a chance as anyone, if not better than most, to jump up into that, have that kind of George Kittle, Evan Ingram type of season. So, yeah, I, I'm I, targeting guys like Mark Andrews and Noah Fan. If I have those two guys, I'm feeling fine. That's nice. A, yeah, that's nice. a great combo, and you can get Mark Andrews so late. I've actually been. I've actually have the combo that Stompy uh, mentioned. Vance McDonald um, has been going really late too in a lot of the drafts that I drafted earlier. So I have that with Noah Fant, uh, Vance McDonald, and Noah Fant. That combo a bunch, but I love Mark Andrews too. So yeah, I would be. I would be game for either one of those combos to be honest. So one of the reasons I only had one crazy truth time is because Noah Fant was definitely one I was kind of kicking around. James beat me to the punch. Stompy also has one that I was really, really, I, I, I wanted to work off of that one a little bit as well. Well, here, um, I'll, I'll do this. I'll copy. Yeah. Now it's yours. Not that one. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you want to talk about the other one. All right. Yeah. We can talk about the other one. I'll take that one. Okay. All right. Sweet. Well, let's, uh, I'll let you do yours first. All right. Um, so, and I've been harping on this a lot, and I think it might screw up ADPs a little bit here, John. Yeah. But, and I've actually made a bet on this, and I'll go over that here in a second. But the crazy truth is Albert Wilson could be a wide receiver too in 2019. At least. Now, yeah. At least. But, I mean, I'm not going <sighs> to – wide receiver two encompasses a wide range. So, yep. Um. I wrote a thread last week talking about Albert Wilson, um, but he last season, he, despite only playing seven games and only starting three, he had career highs in catch percentage and yards per target and yards per game and in touchdowns. And if he, you looked at, uh, or if you uh, interpolated his stats uh, from those seven games out into a 16-game season, he would have been, I believe, a wide receiver 23, and it would have been 893 yards, 59 receptions, and I believe nine touchdowns. Uh, as it was, he only had, he had 391 yards, four touchdowns, 26 receptions in seven games. Now, 
I know I get it. You can't interpolate. You can't project that far out. That's fine. Uh, and, and there's other arguments to be had about actually looking at his stats in that uh, seven game span. But the other aspect of it is that he's in a, uh, in an offense that new offense that likes to target uh the slot receiver and that's where he excels most and i believe he was according to ppf the best slot receiver in terms of um win percentage i can't remember exactly i'd have to look it up but he was basically the top slot receiver uh last season according to pff and he only took uh 28 of his uh snaps from the slot because damn danny amandola was there well now danny amandola is not there and now you have an offense with uh, Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea from the New England Patriots that we know likes to target those slot receivers. I mean, look at Julian Edelman, look at Danny Amendola at times, look at Wes Welker. And I, I believe it was eight in eight of 11 seasons that Chad O'Shea was there. The top targeted pass catcher was a slot wide receiver. And in nine of the 11, the top, uh, targeted wide receiver was a slot wide receiver i think the other two were uh one was brandon cooks one was randy moss maybe um i again can't remember everything that i wrote down but basically what it comes down to is that albert wilson should be playing out of the slot albert albert wilson if healthy should be targeted a ton and he has the requisite skills to get yards after catch and get touchdowns. And not to mention that both Josh Rosen in his short time in Arizona and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, targeted the slot wide receiver 24% and 26% respectively. So a significant por portion of their targets went to that slot wide receiver. Yeah, I love that one. Man, Kansas City would love to have Albert Wilson back right now. Oh my gosh, the fantasy community would love for them to have Albert Wilson back right now. <laughs> uh, and as a Bronco fan, I love him in Miami. Hey there, Bert. <laughs> Ooh, I, I forgot. I forgot one more stat that's kind of the jaw-dropping one. So FF Statistics has a points per opportunity. Basically, takes a look at fantasy points per target and per rush attempt. And he was above guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown. So oh. that gives you a decent idea of how effective he was last season and how efficient he has been over the last two seasons. All right. I got, I've got our last one here and I stole it from Stompy. Um, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to expand on this a little bit. So Andy Dalton could be a QB one in 2019. Fully believe that. The, oh, sorry. The crazy truth is Andy Dalton could be, a QB one in 2019 and could earn another contract with the Bengals. Fully believe that I'm going to take this a step farther though. I think the Cincinnati Bengals might have a top five offense in the NFL this year. And I, and I think that we, as a consensus, we kind of, we all kind of agree on that. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at Joe Mixon going with an ADP in the top, uh, the top six, top eight running backs. Uh, we've got A.J. Green with an ADP of just barely, just outside the wide receiver ones. Tyler Boyd as wide receiver 27. I mean, we we acknowledge that these guys are, are all going to, that these guys all have immense potential. 
for 2019. So to ignore the fact that Andy Dalton is going to, is going to be the one driving that. And then you bring in Zach Taylor as the head coach and bringing that LA Rams offense, at least in theory, the only way for these guys to play as well as we think they're going to play is for Andy Dalton to be a QB one for Zach Taylor to turn this offense fully around. Uh, By the way, the offensive line has improved as well to go along with the new Zach Taylor offense. These to me, these guys are all going to play up to their ADP. And if that happens to me, this is a top five offense in the NFL. Any issues with that one? No, not really, man. I, I definitely think it can be. I, I, it would be, it's a bold call. Uh, but I, I, I see, you know, the argument that you make just, just paints the picture that it could be. I, I think problem with the Bengals is, is injuries, man. For some reason, this team just gets bit with injuries and, and one of their offensive linemen that they just drafted got hurt. So uh, again, I mean, you know, the injuries are all, already, starting to starting to factor in so i i if they can stay healthy i think you made a very good argument that this could be a top offense but that's just going to be it it's going to be health can aj green stay healthy can the offensive line stay healthy can joe mixon stay healthy i mean there's i know mixon was healthy uh you know for the majority of last year um but you know i mean there's you know i think that's part of it is can this team stay healthy and i think their defense is this is going to sound terrible i think their defense is bad enough to keep them as a high volume offense so i could see it i could see this happening i could see dalton being really good and i could see this offense um you know putting up a bunch of fantasy points so i I definitely think it's possible i'll say oh sorry go ahead no go ahead tom i was just i'm on board yeah i think i mean Top, five, I'd probably say top ten. I think top five maybe, um, maybe tough. But I think James brought up the point I was going to bring up, which is, you know, that defense could potentially be a dumpster fire. Um, and it's just they haven't made the additions uh, to build it up from being one of the bottom defenses last year, and that's just going to lead to the offense needing to continue to um, score and and keep going and have the um, have the pedal all the way down that yeah that top fives that's a little rich for me Uh, (laughs) you you didn't you didn't want me to go quite that no i I think andy dalton is a qb1 is is pretty pretty hot takey enough but really i mean in his in those first 11 weeks before injury and i'm not counting the game where he got injured he was the qb14 and he also played two of those weeks without AJ Green, which AJ Green gives him a bump of six PPR points per game um, when he's playing with Andy Dalton, or at least he did last season. I would have to, I mean, you could look over their careers, um, and I'm sure it would be somewhat of the same conclusion. Uh, but I think the underrated part here is that Zach Taylor's coming over from the LA Rams, that the Cincinnati Bengals seem to have similar, a similar personnel set because you have aj green on the outside and he's more like a robert woods you have a tyler boyd um who's who's the cooper cup brandon cooks i mean you could say john ross i'm i don't think that's true but i mean john ross did have seven he had seven touchdowns last season mind you his a dot was super low which was kind of crazy considering he came out as a speedster but he could step into that brandon cooks role that deep uh, deep guy role. And then you have uh, a, a 
poor man's, I guess, Todd Gurley and Joe Mixon. But I mean, I really like Joe Mixon this year. And he's a he's a three down back. And uh, Andy Dalton, I I don't know if we can say Andy Dalton's Jared Goff because I don't know if Jared Goff's a good quarterback or not. Is Jared Goff good because of Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and um, Zach Taylor? And if that's the case, Zach Taylor might be able to make Andy Dalton step up a little bit. But I think that's the underrated part here is that Zach Taylor's coming over from the L.A. Rams, and it looks like he could install that offense, that L.A. Rams offense in Cincinnati. Last week I said I want nothing to do with the Rams, and I feel the exact opposite with the Cincinnati Bengals. I want every piece of that offense I can get, including John Ross. I, I, I mean, now he goes into his third year, breakout year. I, I, I don't know that we're going to see it go quite as far as what Tyler Boyd did last year, but man, I, especially if, if some injuries occur that, that kind of clear the deck for him a little bit, I'm, I'm really intrigued by John Ross as well this year. So yeah, that, that entire offense um, is one that I'm trying to get as many pieces of as I can for the 2019 season at the very least. But so crazy truth time definitely definitely gets crazy but now we need to get beyond crazy we need to get a little nuts around here so we're gonna go with our final segment here that we like to call your nuts and we love to do this with our guests so tom it's your turn we're looking for that bold prediction for the 2019 season show us your nuts well, gosh, I don't even know if this is going to be nuts enough compared to a few of the things that we just talked about. Uh, but I, I'm going to say that in one year, Amari Cooper is going to be, again, a first-round startup ADP uh, in Dynasty. And, I mean, he has fallen to, I think, 33, 34 overall on his wide receiver 11. And I think that the path is pretty clear for him to jump back up. Um, and, I mean, really, it's, you know, he's still only 25 years old. He's immensely talented and has shown that on the field. If he signs a massive four or five year extension to be in Dallas, which is, I think, almost a certainty given that what they gave up to trade for him. And then they also plan on extending Dak. And then if that if that connection continues with what it was this past season and he gets 100 probably what 150 160 targets he's able to be a little bit more consistent and he surpasses 12 1300 yards eight to ten touchdowns i think that there's a clear path for him really going back into that elite tier and people drafting him with much more confidence early in drafts there there are only four wide receivers by the way going in the first round in Superflex adp right now so uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's plenty nuts. I think, um, to, I mean, he's got to jump past guys like Michael Thomas, Mike Evans. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? That's big nuts, big nuts, Tom, big nuts, because I, I, big yeah, dangly. I, yeah. That's, that's some big hairy nuts there, Drag, Tom, because dragging can, on the floor. Yeah, yeah, those that's that's I mean, that's that's South Park putting them in the microwave nuts. I mean, that's um yeah, no, I that it's crazy. I I uh 
banking on Amari Cooper to be anything but unpredictable is to me a dangerous proposition. Oh, that's I for, I totally forgot. James hates Amari Cooper. Oh boy. He he sure does. He sure does. And uh I he's I he hasn't been a fantasy wide receiver one up until last year. And even then he was wide receiver 12 in some formats. Um, so I, I just, him being a wide receiver one would be a, a step forward. Um, him being a first round pick would be just insane. Um, yeah, yeah. Big nuts, Tom, big nuts. I don't see it happening, but that's what this segment's for, man. That's what this segment's for. So, um, am I the only one who feels that this is big nuts? I think it's nuts only because of the fact that what John brought up where you're jumping guys like Mike Evans, likely um, we'll see about Julio Jones. Uh, you're, you're jumping a bunch of guys on this list that it's like Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, um, maybe Joe Mixon, maybe Juju. Uh, <laughs> that's the only reason I think it's nuts is because you have to be better than a lot of those guys ahead of them, which are all very, I mean, there's a lot of young productive guys ahead of him but in terms of i like amari cooper a lot next season much like i like dak if you look at the splits from just last season when he went over to the cowboys amari's point ppr points per game went up by nine points he was 18 he was the wide receiver three in dallas so i mean at his age and if he's able to produce a top five season like that I can definitely see him jumping guys like Julio, jumping guys like Todd Gurley if Gurley doesn't have that or if uh, the concerns about his knees show up. Um, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, who are getting up there in age for, for a running back. So I don't know how nuts it is. I'm, I'm a li- I think it's a little bit – I think they're a little small, tiny nuts. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, they're nuts. Okay. I, I think it's a little nuts because there's a lot that has to go right. But I think him and Dak and with a new offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore there definitely has a shot to have a top five wide receiver season next season, which I think jumps him in startup ADP. Now, will it jump him into uh, first round? I don't know. Yeah, I think you either need Randall Cobb or Michael Gallup to to give you a second credible threat in order to make this work. But I mean, that that might be the only thing in the way. I Yeah, I, I might back down a little bit on this. I still think it's pretty nuts. Um, and again, just just climbing that hierarchy is going to be tough to do. But and I also it, think he's burned so many people over the past few years that <laughs> even with one great season, it's going to be really hard to trust a somebody who's just been inconsistent and then to expect he's going to do it year over year. Yeah, which is it, yeah, that's where James is coming from. He's he's been burned, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, all right, we we've taken way too much of your time, Tom, and we so we need to wrap it up here. But this is certainly not goodbye. It is see you soon because, like I said at the top, we need to have you back on uh, to help us with kind of some positional breakdowns. But for the moment. We would uh, tell tell our lovely, beautiful listeners one more time where they can find all your work. 
Yeah, thanks again for the invite and having me on. This was this was awesome. They can um, find me at ff underscore Tom B on Twitter, and uh, the majority of my content, my Dynasty content, is on Dynasty League Football, and then I also do some kind of season long redraft content for FantasyEvaluator.com, which is a, a new site that just came up and, and it's definitely got a exciting interface and some great writers there, and then also at uh, Dynasty Football Factory. Beautiful. Make sure and check it out. And like I said, that tight end article is going to change the way you approach your startup drafts. I promise you. But with that, we're going to wrap it up for the week. Thank you again, Tom, for coming on. As we wrap it up, we're going to ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation, and from there we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. You can also send them to any one of us individually. Stompy is at FFStompy. James is at underscore James the Brain, and I'm at Superflex Dude. And you should also be tagging Tom at FF underscore Tom B. He would uh, he could also help you, and we can all retweet him, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even bring him here on the podcast. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, the addiction that we use as our intro and outro music, and above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.